cool. Here we go. This is cold open right here because I guess I was saying like in the whenever I'm in the dining hall, um, I always get like apple juice or ginger ale. But like I honestly want, I honestly got to get back to like enjoying food with water, not with some sugary yeah. drink that just washes and and sterilizes my mouth with its sugariness. Yeah, I've never been a beverage person. Thank God, because it sounds like a torment. It sounds like a tormented life. I'm like, why would you choose to like beverages? You know. Hmm. Like, just, what do you mean? You, I mean, it's like, damn, like, I, I, if you're you're a beverage person, is that something you, you seek out every time you <laughs> eat food? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. You're like, oh, I got to eat shit. I need a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> I literally I, cannot I eat without beverage. So yeah. I noticed, oh, do I sound better now? I noticed, I was listening back to some of our old episodes last night, mm. and uh, I noticed that I can be clippy with it. Yeah, a bit. I think in general, I would lower the gain on yours because I always have to adjust like it to be lower. I think I just did, and I, my waveforms look a little better. Yeah, they look than good. I did just a minute ago. So yeah, I want I want I want it to sound good. You know? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I want it to be good. Of course, and I think our mic, I think our, I don't know, I think our mic quality is no. It's been pretty consistent the past two and a half years. I mean, it's um, been the same two fucking mics, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. But I think sometimes your gain goes both ways so um mm. yeah if you lower it even more i can raise it up no but no problem but if you clip and it's too loud i can't get rid of that yeah so i i just lowered it to the very bottom and i think this is good mm-hmm. i think this is good so um it's really cool listening to the old episodes how how far I, back did you go oh i went to day one you went to day one like, dude going to day one is like it was surreal really it's like Jesus, and, and just <laughs> really touching up on the topics, um, like we, is it is it okay to say that we were lost in many ways? Well, is that how you felt? Is that is that what you heard? I I was certainly lost. I don't know if you were, but I mm-hmm. know I was. Um, and then and then hearing back to like the Anna saga. Oh, you were um, you were going shit, man. Yeah, that was April April of twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wow. Hearing those, I'm like, man. Wow. And 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 then it's just ins- it's crazy to think that you've had this beautiful relationship with this person. And it's like they were s- they were just like the only thing you could think about for months before you even had a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Damn. I don't know. I don't know how it ended up me being ungrateful for this whole situation like i was um watching the first episode of midnight gospel over again with a friend to introduce him to it and just talked about like man the love that you have now is that not already everything you can ask for you know why why seek why be poisoned by the thought that you there's something better you know i think that's the narrative of love that i'm really trying to excise out of me is that Oh, there's that just that one person out there that you can that you use your current person as a stepping stone towards. God, like that's such a perverted narrative of love. So I'm the thing is, I, I guess I would like to add balance to that perspective, though. Yeah, because because I mean, I look at my relationship with Molly, and it's like there was certainly love there. Like I'm very certain about it now, looking back. But like it just was not 
good for us mm. to be in that relationship mm-hmm. you know mm. like but i feel like at this point you and i are capable of like really loving someone and really communicating with someone and so now mm. i think we can say that now we can say that like we we know what our boundaries are that's the important thing yeah really really yeah. but yeah i mean i i needed to get away from that you know mm. Even though the, I mean, I, I, Molly has enough love to give me to to fulfill my needs, frankly, and so did Taylor, and and so did like almost every partner I had, but they've all ended for some reason, you know. But what does that feel like? To to what does that even mean for someone else to be able to give you all the love that you ever need? I mean, like, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, that is a great question, David. Um, but it's like I, I know Taylor has the energy to to literally be with me when I need when I need her to be with me, to do things with me, to go on adventures with me, to to give me gifts. That was something she did very often, to share things with me. Like I never felt as if I wasn't getting enough. But 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 then I would just not want it anymore suddenly. Hmm. And, and that was said again you wouldn't want dude that's yeah. honestly same damn yeah and and i'm just like it's it has happened to me with almost every relationship i've been in hmm. and it's i like i i just ran into molly today funny enough um, oh and, her, and i said hi to she wouldn't really say hi to me she kind of just waved to me but then i shot it up with her with her dad mr wendell and Dude, wait, Mr. Wendell, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I ran into Mr. Wendell. And he's like, didn't he barely recognize me? He was all startled when I said his name. Um, so, yeah, I said, what's up? And I said, hi to Andrew. Um, and uh, I have no fucking clue why I brought this up. No worries. No worries. Hey, it's just a memory of your day that happened. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. But I thought you asked me a question. Why well, did I? I, I, I something. Well, because... I'm very I, when I, when you said that I was so curious about what it what it means to know that this person across from you has the energy to give you all the love that you ever need because and then at some point you don't you feel like you don't want it and you, like that's exactly how I feel like I I progressed in my relationship where where it's it's like yeah there were moments where I feel like there was misunderstanding Right. It's always like it's it's like genuinely the person the people that we love have torrents of love pouring from them to you because they care about us. But then I think where it where it goes wrong is that sometimes there's these millions of different pipes and channels that alter this flow towards us. And sometimes it just lands in the wrong place or it lands in a place where we don't need watering. And so yeah. we feel we feel it to not hit the mark. You know, someone can pamper you with all the signs of love and it could feel meaningless. Yeah. But I don't know if that's what you're referencing here. Cause I, I just, I just find that to be so relevant. This idea that someone having the capability of loving you with all your needs met. Yeah. Yeah. But yet it just doesn't resonate sometimes. Um, and I think I, I, I'm looking back and I'm looking for common denominators. Like what, what what was the similarities between me sort of suddenly not wanting it anymore mm. 
And it really always came down to boundaries, like every single time. When I would, like, I think um, this has honestly happened as recently as like last month. Um, Jaden came up and stayed with me and Sophia for a bit. And it when when someone visits me and, and and sleeps in my apartment and is kind of with me for like more than four days. Oh, she was there like for it, more than four days. I think she was there for four days oh, okay. on the dot, and and it, I get I get irritable, you know, but it's sort of like hard to set a boundary when someone has driven all this way and spent all this money and has come all this like spent all this time to be with you and so like i literally had to sort of put my boundaries aside which you should never do obviously and then so i just was like i need to kind of get away from this i need to get away from this i need to get away from this and so that's the common denominator it's like when when i don't need it anymore when i don't want it anymore and it keeps coming yeah Mm. it's like i have to get away i have to get away you know but then that's not love you know, I don't think that's, I think, it, but, I, but I think it is, I think it is, but I think it's a misunderstanding, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I, I think like what Taylor gave me was, was beautiful, but I don't think I did a good enough job of like reframing the relationship to make that work, you know? What, what kind of reframing would that have needed? I think... I think there was, um, I think there's a lot of insecurity, you know, mm. and, and there was like a, uh, subliminal commitment happening rather than a spoken one. Mm. And, and that was dangerous. And then living in that framework, I think created a lot of insecurity between us. And then, so our love would kind of morph into this subtle toxicity between us, Oh, you know? Yeah. And so we, we needed to reframe and, and, and um, un- unfortunately I dropped the ball on that. Mm. I, I totally dropped the ball and I sort of just said like, I don't think we should be in a romantic relationship anymore. It's really like how I left it. I was like, I, but that was like dropping a bomb on her. I realized. And that she, she wasn't seeing it as a romantic relationship or that she wasn't expecting you to say that. She wasn't expecting me to say that at all. Oh shit. And I don't want to be a believer in incrementalism, though, you know, like, right, which I don't think is what you're advocating for either. Yeah, but it's like I, I, I she was blindsided. And it's like, how do you not blindside someone with with boundaries? I, I also feel like Molly felt that way, too. Well, I guess. So I think it's not not necessarily that the fact that the boundaries blindsided her. It's the way the boundary was set up. Mm. right because i think yeah i mean i mean the boundary of let's not make this a romantic relationship i think one maybe it's like this maybe setting up boundaries but in a way that still gives the other person some sense of agency Mm. right where instead of i think and i think i've done an okay job at doing this with anna but except i do it too timidly like i have too much consideration whenever it's like putting up boundaries to the point where like i'm so people pleasing in my language that <laughs> yeah. setting a boundary doesn't even sound like setting a boundary. It's more just like, 
hey, this is something intriguing to me. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, that that resonates with me, with Molly in particular. Yeah, exactly. So so there's the other side of it, right? But the, I think the harsher side is that like if you just set up boundaries and not even give the other person A, time to react, but also B, time to exercise some agency. Let them maybe speak their mind before you get to your point and just bring up the fact that this is something that you've been feeling. Um, mm. and then And then, yeah, give them... Because I think especially when like when Anna, when like when when anna had had met that guy and then spent the night and then the following morning she just laid a hard boundary saying hey i just don't think we can talk right now i need a week oh. to you know like and i had i want i obviously respected her decision but it had i had no agency in that right like the message was sent and concluded before i can even breathe and and david i I can literally feel your pain. Yeah. That like sinking sensation in your stomach and like you're just desperately trying to communicate with them and, and nothing, right? No agency. Nothing. You you no. you are depersonalized in that moment. Yeah. So so I, I don't know if it's the object of boundary that blindsides a person, but rather the sense of wow, I have literally no control over the situation at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we. Well, we let me, I'm gonna take off there. my beanie real fast. Sure, sure. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess where that came from, my like 180 on setting boundaries from like, from going from being almost too gentle to curt, was my therapist sort of gave me advice on boundaries and it was um, mm. front loaded, always front load. It's, it's like you don't, if you're dealing with an anxious person and let's say you want to break up with someone, do not go out on a tangent before you tell them that about like, Hey, so like, you know, I know we've been together for a long time. Oh yeah. That would just make and this worse. and that yeah. they'll get, they'll get more anxious and more anxious and just like desperately waiting for you to get to the point. You know, yeah. so so I started just being like, "Hey, uh, I think we should break up," <laughs> because, and then get to the because after, not before. You know, but but I still think there's a balance, and I and I think I've gone too far in both directions. Hmm. So you guys yeah. were dating then, or Taylor and I? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not subliminally. Mm. No, and I, I remember mean, you describing me the the kind of the landscape of that. Really. Yeah, I mean, she was certainly my girlfriend. Like, I I I went a year with not really <laughs> being romantic with anyone else, mm-hmm. even though it was an option and it, and it was something we discussed. Um, and we did everything that a couple would do. Mm. So yes, so, she yeah. was my girlfriend, yeah. and it was a breakup. You know. Yeah. Um, But I told myself it wasn't. I was like, I just wish I owned it, you know? Mm. I wish I owned it. Mm. I remember, like, back when you were describing it, too, as a... Well, I think it was a couple weeks after when you brought it up, but it definitely felt like you were rewriting a bit of the... Well, not rewriting. You were writing a story of how everything happened, which I think was necessary, right, to make sense of it all something that was yeah. so complex and so um, multifaceted in its definition. Of course, it needs a certain story to be able to capture it all. Yeah. 
And for you, mm-hmm. it was saying like, yeah, well, we were together in all the ways that mattered. We simply didn't label it in all the ways that it didn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you've, I and mean, we both, at this point, I feel like, I feel like I've been in multiple relationships, but it just happens to be with the same person. Like we have gone through, it feels like so many different landscapes of, <laughs> of what love feels like on the more visceral side. Yeah. I mean, think about who you were nearly oh yeah. goodness two years ago just and but like does that not kind of like give you a sense of hope almost of like we have changed this much within two years like come on man like we have friends who are 25 right yeah they have lived twice and a bit more than the time that we have spent now growing yeah no david i think neuroplasticity is one of the most optimistic ideas there is Ooh, amen yeah it it really is. I'm just like thankful the brain can change. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Great way to put it. Yeah. Thankful yeah. brain to change. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm curious what what was the uh, what was on your mind when you said you want to record? Because we have been on a hot streak to get these um, conversations out. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing is um, midnight gospel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is like so fucking good i was I'm so glad. I, was, I was skeptical because like when anytime it's someone's like this is a profound thing i'm like oh this is gonna be just too much oh, you know interesting. it's like it's like are they how are they gonna present these ideas like it, it has to be endearing to me to really enjoy it. i just can't have some like bald cult leader being like Oh, like you are the center of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type you have to shit. be told. You have to be shown. Yeah, and um, the the little splicing of humor and the tiny little like hilarious narratives, uh-huh. and the the animation. It's like yeah. they're embrace they're embracing the way information is being served up to our generation. You know, they're not shying right. away from like almost overloading the the animation and and the content. Um, so it works so well. You stay so engaged. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. And so you watched episode five? Oh, just? just one, th- one through five. Oh, one, one through, through five. five. You watched all five. Yeah, there's just a little 20-minute banger. Yeah, exactly. That's about the length of a movie. Yeah. You know? And so, um, okay. So, um, wow, wow. This is exciting because I've already watched all 10. So, um, fuck. Well, let's yeah. see, like, which one, which one, which one? resonated most like which one strung your guitar frets mm. and you mm. felt you yeah felt in tune with the most it's hard to say it's very hard to say i the one <laughs> um the one where it's like he lands on that planet and it's those like cows that are like that turn into meat and they're yeah. like talking about humor as a way to cope with death yeah um has beautiful and just like the conversations they had when she said that like i think it was her husband or her dad that was terminally ill and had cancer yeah her dad and yeah and they would just have these like humorous conversations about it almost right um make fun of serious things yeah that's not really something that happened um because when i when i was really dealing with existential ocd i never looked at humor as the solution to the problem of people like i would like to I would bring that up to Kim and he would kind of like be like, oh, you're afraid of dying. And I would be offended almost. Mm. 
And then I kind of just let go of that. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, maybe I can just laugh about this. Right. Well, it, it, and you said yeah. that's how your parents also go about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for some reason why, um, like, it, it never really, like, hit me until literally, like, a year ago is when I started using humor as a weapon or consciously doing it. Right. I guess my parents did it, but I never knew they did consciously oh i see so now i'm more like mindful of of using it as a as a tool to to cope you know yeah and i don't even know if it's coping like now now i think because like coping still makes it seem like humor is like this kind of over-the-counter pill that you can use to just numb the pain of you know reality suffering it's freeing, yeah. Not, it's not liberating, coping. exactly. Because, like, you know, yeah. speaking of episode five of Midnight Gospel, talking about like the Buddhist idea of like, it's all simple. It's all at the end of the day a game. You know, yeah. I, I was on a bike ride earlier today, and I was thinking about like, you know, to what extent does a technology must mature for it to be turned into a toy, right? So like mm-hmm. bows for thousands of years, serious stuff, right? It was it was u- utility, and then one day we have fucking Nerf bows shooting out foam you know and the same thing with like trucks and guns and bears i guess i don't know that's not a technology but um and so you know you hear these buddhist upanishads talking about how talking about this concept of lila or lila which is called Mm. divine play that ultimately this universe is simply god brahman's play it's it's them playing like imagine a being to the at a at a level of transcendence in which if they want to play they spawn the entire universe like that's the level of just being that they are and i think that that in that circumstance laughing at humans at human suffering especially at your own laughing not from a ridicule standpoint but laughing from a literal humor standpoint is to take it in as a game yeah as a play. i agree yeah it's it's sort of like um yes wow actually you you just kind of answered one of my issues i had with the show um and not not an issue but just a question i guess sure, i don't know why sure. it's an issue no, no. It, it, it's just like they these ideas that are presented like it's just so easy to say it's so easy to say these things like life's a game like Mm -hmm. take off your vr headset stop grinding like it's it's very easy to say these things i just said all of these things Mm -hmm. but it's like it you have to practice you have to like it 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 is a slow process to truly internalize these things and technique and repetition is the only way of doing that you know Um, and, or, yeah. or psychedelic drugs, um, <laughs> a combination of both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's, 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 it's you know, I, I definitely agree it's about practicing, but I think also it's about knowing. And I was reading this quote earlier today as well. as like the, the distance between knowing something and knowing something with all of your soul is an infinite distance. It's an yes. unfathomable distance between knowing something like, hey, this is all a game. This universe is a game. <laughs> Stop grinding. Stop grinding, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the distance from that to knowing with all of your soul. Yeah. With deep, the deepest certainty. 
not certainty, fuck certainty and rationality. Just knowing with all of your soul in it that this is all divine play. And to laugh is to celebrate that spirit. Like, there is infinite distance between those two points, right? So, yeah. 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 And, and But I think humor is sort of, without even knowing it, applying that idea in, in, a, in yeah. an actual situation. Yeah. Which is like, that's what it's all about, you know? And, and, and like on the first episode when he's having the conversation with the little president, it's like he brings up noting. The, the idea of noting, which is like literally seeing the thought come into your brain and not giving into it and just instead observing it as a thought or just as a little chemical reaction or just as something that you can laugh at instead. Right. And it's like, thank God they at least brought that technique in there because to me, people will just be almost frustrated with you if you, if you just kind of talk at them with these crazy like unfathomable ideas mm. without actually providing homework or like, what do I do with this information mm, now? No, that's a good point. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that's the main thing. I, and I remember I'd always have conversations with Molly as you and I sort of like started having conversations like these and I'd be like, well, no, you just have to like not think about it. I'm like, wait, <laughs> yeah, it's not the, how yeah. do you do that? How do you do that? Yeah. How do I take off the VR headset essentially? Mm, yeah so i think that's the important question to me i mean i i I, now that i know these things it's like i think i should i should start trying to 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 feel these things instead yeah you know it's like a chicken and the egg thing honestly it's like what comes first knowing it or practicing it right because like sometimes you feel like what out of what you practice you come to know something Mm. But also, I think the opposite can be true. It's like from knowing something, you were able to practice it. Mm. And for me, dude, the change in the past few weeks, like I dropped my physics class, man. For the first time since <laughs> freshman for you. spring. Thank you. Yeah. So first time since freshman spring, I'm now only taking four classes. Um, and to have just four classes, which is the normal amount of recommended courses to take, I feel so liberated. I'm going on bike rides in the freezing cold with the snow drifting down like like I'm in fucking Alice in the Wonderland <laughs> and just practicing like feeling the cold but not feeling it you know and sitting by the riverside and just being here now and that's from hearing the thoughts and the inspirational quotes and the metaphors that I was able to and I've been able to practice that in a genuine sense. So I think, I think, yeah, I think you having these ideas now, now is like, now is where you step out the door and live about normal life. And you'll see slowly small parts of your life are being, re- are being taken back into your budding philosophies mm. and theologies of life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, and I do think that's that's also the beauty in cognitive behavioral. Yeah, you know? I was going to say, I think I see definitely see why now you have that affinity with that because it emphasizes so much on the technique. And it, yeah, it's it's built upon these ideas. And it's literally like, this is how you basically physically change your brain mm. in, in order to accommodate these philosophies and make this your story, mm. you know? Make this so, your story, yeah. It's... I couldn't recommend it more for any human being on planet Earth. Mm. 
you know do you feel like a person has to be in a certain mindset to be able to accept cbt cbd or oh is that what people call it cognitive behavioral therapy oh i guess so yeah yeah um i've never even heard the acronym <laughs> yeah. um i'd say so um it's it, if you're not willing to accept you know it's mm. just and, and people are just they're frustrated yeah by it. and and it's also hard work that's what is known about cbt i was listening to some podcasts about it and they're like this guy was just like it is hard work like you are not going to get results in a day you know mm. um and so there's a lot of people who will just tap out um look for another form of therapy look for a life coach instead someone who can like just give them answers directly mm. um but yeah if you're not willing to change i don't think cbt cbt will be very effective yeah yeah you have to have some plasticity on your mind exactly the willingness to change is is where it really all stems from yeah. and recognizing that well actually having goals is one of the main things for cbt like yeah, really knowing where you want to go with it. Um, if your therapist isn't asking you what you want out of it on your first session, then like you might want to get a new one <laughs> because that's what it's all about. Mm. You know, it's like goals for you and then goals for the people around you as well. Like what relationships do you want to improve? Like how do you want to love better? All those things. Mm. And you, you feel know? like you're still f like kind of thinking through that lens? I'd say so, but like, man, I get lost. I get mm. lost. Like, even today, I was just lost. Um, I mean, it's my second day with not hanging out with anyone, basically. Mm -hmm. So I've been going a tad bit insane and kind of, like, got really frustrated today. I was, like, throwing my clothes around like a fucking madman. Um, but then I got outside recently, and I met up with Chris and some people at the gelato shop. And nice. immediately felt better, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, and also that, that quote about listening how it's like a form of respiration. There you go. Taking I, knew it. Live. I was like, that is a fucking bar, I, I man. Knew you were going to see that one and love it. <sighs> and then the, the, the bar about magic, how he's like thinking of meditation is like a way of conserving energy as in like not letting it disperse out into like, yeah, all of this like subconscious thought. And so you can really focus it in the places that it matters. Yeah. Attention. Beautiful, man. Yeah beautiful and i love that it's like in the format of a podcast like like the fourth wall breaks suddenly it's like this like a cow in this meat factory is like talking about being from la or something yeah yeah exactly well it is it is like a it, it does come from like a, a genuine conversation between clancy gilroy and his guests yeah um, yeah 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 and and apparently they're all like in the same like joey diaz like these guys like they all know each other like I feel yeah. like honestly comedians that that like the famous comedian circle I feel like and and speaking of play right and speaking of like just laughing and humor and shit I feel like I have a sense that like comedians who like the ones that like, do fucking DMT and shit like Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz and you know Gil Gilroy over here Clancy yeah. I feel like they got like a really good tap in on what this universe means <laughs> I would agree I would agree yeah um yeah. yeah spirituality and the comedic yeah. yeah and i'm worried about artists they also address that which is a relief about like the tortured artist 
oh, wait, thing. I like, remember that. They brought up, like, the, the girl was like, oh, and I almost didn't want to get better because I was, thought I would never be funny again. Oh, yeah, like, for, for her novel writing, right? It's like, oh, I yeah. want to be, like, that sick soul. I, I want to, you know, to, to f- use that sorrow. And I'm like, yeah, like, I get that, you know? For one, is that, like... But then again, like, I think the most beautiful art that I've made was under psychedelics, and I felt exactly. nothing but... I felt like a tuning fork on the knee of God. Like, I... I felt like it was being channeled through me to create this art. So I think, I think we sometimes essentialize our pain as being a creative force, but so yeah. is wonder. So is wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, completely. Yeah. I, uh, and that, that has honestly stopped many of my friends from seeking help actually. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. That idea, like Ethan has said that Dude. on multiple occasions. I remember I'd always try to get Ethan to, to get into therapy and to like, but he'd literally be like, nah, man, the music comes from the pain. Yo, that would be a dope anthropology question, man. If, if that's something that you, cause just given the, in the places that you're tapped in, that would be such an easy field work thing to do. Dude, that kind of question, like to reject health because of this popular thought that pain is where creativity comes from. Yo, that is, that is, yeah, that is actually, Oh, that's beautiful. Damn. Yeah, because of you would expect artists to be like in tune and they would make great candidates. No, but for therapy to be they, helpful. Right. Well, I, yeah, they they would be great candidates, but they refuse it. They refuse yeah. it on the idea that they've essentialized their suffering as the source of their creativity. <laughs> Where does that sick idea even start and stem I don't from? No, I'm trying to wonder. Like, I don't even know that much art history, but I feel like. I don't think it, Michelangelo's time was like that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there is a lot. Like, Really? There's a lot of depression in art. Like, you literally name it. Mm. You name an artist. I mean, they, they likely were depressed. Um, but I just think there's a lot of depressed people. And I think being famous is also just very depressing, you know? And I wonder if we're making the wrong, like, direction of correlation here. Maybe it's not that artists become depressed because of their art. Maybe it's people who are in depression find art. And art is the greatest bomb mm, for it. Yeah, I, I think there's just w- one step in the many steps you take to salvation, you know? Oh my um, God, exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, the famous stories are like Van Gogh mm. being like an insane person, cutting his ear off, committing suicide, Kurt yeah. Cobain. Yeah. Also, I have a painting of him leaning next to me, actually. Yeah, geez. <laughs> I never realized that um, Starry Night was writ- was um, drawn, painted in an asylum. Like Starry oh, Night. Yeah, Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night, one of his most famous paintings, was literally taken, was literally um, painted on like this like canopy over like in an asylum in France overlooking like a coastline or something like that. Wow. Um, yeah. And and so like you know like obviously having gone through an LSD trip to even imagine what it's like to be in a state similar to that but in an asylum, white <laughs> bleached walls with unfamiliar faces and unfamiliar scents and unfamiliar people, um, that can be jarring. And to, and this guy is just here painting a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah doing things that literally have never been done as well in the entire history of art yeah. and he's just doing it from the perch of an insane asylum yeah so it's a crazy story yeah um 
But I think I think he would have made even more beautiful art if he got the proper help he needed and see, yeah, you know, could sustain his own solar system essentially. Dude, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like, yeah. why, why, why it? Yeah, I, I think of Miles Davis. I mean, he was he was playing almost every night in every club in New York City, and then as his drug addiction and depression raged on, he didn't touch a trumpet for three years in the peak of his career. Mm. And it's like, we missed three years of Miles Davis prime creativity because he couldn't get the help that he needed. Mm. You know, so I think, I think one, I need to present a story that, that offers an alternative to that narrative. Yeah. Or else I'll, they'll never believe me, you know? Yeah. So do you think that story is someone who is quote unquote very healthy with their mental health and is performing at a high creative level or someone who specifically has redeemed themselves from negative to positive mental health and seeing their creativity? Mm, It's a good question. I mean, it's hard to say and I don't, I don't have the answer to it really. Do you know of any like flourishing artists? Oh, that are like in great shape and love the world. Um, People say that a lot about Post Malone, actually. Ooh. Yeah, people say he's just like always in a good mood. But then like, fuck. No, you I see, mean, like, yeah, you said that about Robin Williams. And then oh, uh, he shit, like, killed yeah. himself, you know? So, well, I think he's a very kind spirit, but I'm sure he's, he's, I think he's battling fucking demons if he's like writing songs about his breakup. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's fighting um, demons, I'm sure. Do you think Jaden? Yeah. Say it again? Jaden. As in Jaden Key? Yeah. What about her? I'm curious, like, how you see her in that kind of range of s- artists using the creativity through their suffering and just artists using the creativity through flourishing. Mm. Where Jaden is, is, is there. Because I feel like, I feel like, she, I feel like she's approaching art in its kind of a, a more pure form in that she's just doing what it, she feels like. Well, you know, she, she does it f- for people a lot. Like oh. it's, it's, it's a gift giving thing for her as well. Mm. You know, it's a literal love language for her. She, I mean, look at your bookmarks, sir. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, I mean, I think that's, that's a beautiful story where art is literally the way that she loves along as a way of expression and all of that. Yeah. So, so maybe there's um, an example there. Yeah. I mean, I know for myself, if I'm depressed, I'm not making shit. I'm probably doom scrolling in my bed. So, mm. yeah. Do you think you're, have you been your most creative at your most flourished? Flourished? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Definitely. I, I touch my piano more when I'm surrounded by people I love and when I'm dealing with my emotions that need to be dealt with and all of that stuff, you know? So how could it be also for the opposite then for like someone like, let's say Ethan who is battling his deepest, darkest demons and is also playing music and generating music that is, you know, also very moving. Well, I think it comes down to this. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he even is like, I think people just got it all wrong. Like when you're depressed, you're just not really making the art like like ethan when he's depressed we had some of our absolute worst studio sessions you can possibly imagine mm. like he's playing with literally no confidence he's throwing away every idea we bring up he's just like 
beating himself up and then we leave and he like never wants to touch an instrument again. Mm. And I'm like, that's the pain that's, that's breathing through your art. Like, no. Oh, fuck, man. No. Like, I, I think that's the depression talking, you know, <laughs> I think it's just like depression just has that ability to convince you that like getting happy is the last thing you should do. Mm. Fixing is changing your environment. Moving is the last thing you should do. And you'll come up with any story to believe that. Yeah. I think that's just one of them. Mm. So do you think like art that expresses aspects of depression, are they still necessary? Definitely. Yeah. Because they, they, um, they, they're made by people who are depressed, right? Or, or have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I don't think that's what's like making them depressed, you know? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Of course. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I just think, I think that's the beautiful aspect of it. But it's like, I would love to see what you can do <laughs> if, if you were happy as well. Or if you were on the other side and you could have a different perspective on the thing you just dealt with, mm. you know? Like revisiting those stories when you're in a place where you can like get more nuanced with it. Damn. Even have compassion for yourself. I'd love to see that as well. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is, these are some very, very beautiful thoughts you're having. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah wow man even though it has been i'm sure more a solitary few days for you you've definitely been very um adventurous in your mind i mean just with all the things that you've been thinking about this is to fill up these past four episodes in five days or what six days um <laughs> yeah i mean it's been very impressive third in a third in a row isn't it wow yeah third in a row yeah well, holy shit we're on a three-day streak three-day streak wow i don't think we've done that before yeah i don't think so either wow that's crazy so obviously something's working no, within our lives mm. yeah i think to a certain degree that the podcast is also an indication of our like um kind of tandem mental health of like if we're both recording if we're recording a lot that just means hey we're on it you know yeah yeah but sometimes it's it's we're doing it because we need help, you know. Yeah, like, so it's like kind of ambiguous. Like, yeah, sometimes it's out of desperation, and sometimes we're doing it because we're at our best, and we just want to share that. Mm. So, so just like art, you know, at our best we create, and maybe at our worst we also need to create. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's even yeah, there's literally that story within our podcast about the the artist as well. Yeah. Wait, which artist? Like the tortured artist, like you can look at that literally within our own podcast. Like I was listening to episodes when I was like neck deep in the Maya situation. I'm oh. like, I don't think I would ever listen to that, or I don't think anyone would enjoy listening to that. Quite honestly, mm. like it really was just ranting and desperation, and, mm. you know. Yeah, and then so you have that side of it where we need to record, and then there's sometimes like, man, we we want to. to talk about, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between wanting and needing, obviously. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but... Ooh, I guess, is that the goal is just not to need anything? Ooh. I think so, because by need, by saying that you need something, you're placing an essentiality onto it, right? You're making it essential. That's kind of, by definition, what needing means, right? You're needing something, therefore it is essential to you. But the whole idea is to recognize that there is this inherent nothingness and therefore need is a uh, is an illusion i'm just saying words here but i feel like 
by reason by reason of what we have explored so far that that definitely makes sense what the goal maybe is to not need anything and i think Mm. and i think to need something is to cast yourself out of the present right because you're you're seeking something that you don't have now that you're hoping to get later which is yeah by definition removing you from the moment yeah and it's in the moment where you find the presence of god really i agree yeah i got caught a few glimpses of it today for sure really um yeah but then i would you know fall back into the doom scrolling and the frustration and ruminating about loneliness and then i'd return and um and it's really hard for me to thrive inside of my apartment building for more than like an hour Mm. um, unless i'm like watching a movie or podcasting it just slowly creeps up creeps up on you yeah and then but then i get change my environment and suddenly i feel better yeah yeah that's me too yeah i think it's fine yeah but yeah, today I um, I watched probably the saddest movie I've ever seen in my. Would would you Ooh. say you have a saddest movie that like? Fuck. Um, can't think of one right now, but I'll get back to you. On no that. worries. But it was, it was so sad that I didn't actually feel any grief. I just felt despair, which is like way worse. Yeah. Because <laughs> grief has a mourning involved. There's ritual process, and there's like meaning making but despair it's a vacuum it's this it's called the grave of the fireflies and oh god i've heard that it is the saddest movie ever yeah pretty much (laughs) um yeah they got it pretty right yeah um it's basically telling the side of the japanese the japanese side of world war ii when after pearl harbor and the u.s was like causing like raining fire raids down onto like some of the uh factory-based cities and we follow like this boy and oh fuck I'm I'm gonna fucking tear up just describing this but like I'm following we're following this boy, his mother and her his little sister, um. And you know one night the fire raid hits their village, and her mom is pretty much burned, a hundred percent of her skin, and this is like the first fifteen minutes of the movie you know. Oh God! And like, and and the boy who's probably no more than twelve, he's dressed up in soldier uniform, looks up to his dad who's in the navy, fighting far away off seas. Um, and her his little sister is no more than, I would say, four or five. Um, he, he finds her. He gets separated from her mom, from his mom, um, during the air raids, and then when he finds her again in the hospital, entire body is covered in bandages. Um, unrecognizable basically and she dies right right that night in the hospital um and the boy doesn't even tell his little sister um it was later on that she just casually mentions it while digging a grave for her mom's marine um she said she knew right she just knew that mom was gone and the brother had been like keeping a secret the whole time and just saying oh once she gets better we'll visit her but and then you can't imagine but apparently the movie gets even worse because i don't think i have the heart to describe it but the movie i'll just tell you the movie actually begins in the end when the the younger brother is found dead 
um mm. when, when the brother is found dead at, at a train station like he like gave up like he literally like it just looked like he gave up living and he just slumped over and one of the cleaning guys found him um and so that implies that his little, little sister um was gone too by that point and she was um and it's like a side of the war that you know when we watch as americans we watch pearl harbor you know they bombed our fucking <laughs> military seaport and yeah. we came back and fucking bombed their cities um yeah. and it's just a side that like i think that if you if you gather any group of people in any ethnic group with any predisposition and have them watch war stories from both sides they'll leave that room knowing just one thing that war is horrible there is there is no winner there is no right side both sides were fucking wrong to subject their people to this and at the end of the day war just sucks uh i i sort of agree but like there there were members of of like the waffen ss and who literally like did these things with their bare hands and they witnessed this, witnessed it with their own eyes Mm. and 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 died nazis Mm. you know it's like there's a certain degree of brainwashing and like systemic toxicity that you can be exposed to to where like you don't even look at a certain group of people as human so right like your your actions don't even land emotionally right right but i i can't help but like like do i condemn these people for that belief as if that was marked on their skin from birth, right? If I still follow that thought of like, if I lived someone else's, if I lived every moment of someone else's life, I would have made it every single, the same decision as they did. Does yeah. that apply to war crimes? Does it apply to the atrocities that we saw? And, and <laughs> yes. this movie, this movie, you know what, what sucked the most? There was no violence, no explicit violence. That's what made it mm. fucking hurt because you couldn't be mad at anyone. You just saw a fucking boy and his little tiny sister that he would carry her on her back, running around, stealing food to feed her. It was just apathy. Apathy from the rest of the people in those cities who were also starving and rationing food and contributing to the war that they thought would bring them prosperity. Yeah. It was apathy and it was negligence. And that ultimately caused the death of two young souls in mm. the absolute worst moment. So, yeah, I mean, war is, I mean, I've been learning a lot about it in European history. Damn. Um, yeah. Like a lot about it. And I've just been learning a lot about other facets of history as well on my own time, because it's just been really inspiring that class. Mm. And yeah, war is just disgusting every single time. Mm. You know, it's never glorious awful yeah and it's especially awful now like there isn't even honor associated with with it anymore it's just about destruction it's just capital and oppression which is like war is like damn (laughs) if if we were like samurai like lords and we're fighting over like something kind of at least noble like land i'll be like yeah Yeah. i'd take it you know we kill our enemy and we like we bury them ourselves and we're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. You know, we, we <laughs> like, shit, I, I'd love to go back to stuff <laughs> like that. But now, like, we're fucking, 
bombing we've you know in the past what i heard this fucking horrible like horrible way to put it but it's kind of funny too but like 40 years ago we toppled an entire democratic institution in south america for bananas yeah like that that just fucking sucks man (laughs) yeah like damn we we really caused the permanent instability political instability of colombia just for some bananas man yep yep yeah, I mean, I mean, Spain, like, dude, we wiped out ninety percent of the native people who lived in South America, like, yeah, like what? Like, you can't even, like, that is hundreds of millions of individual stories, just Jesus. gone, gone, and oral history and tradition just, oh my, God. because you wanted some gold statues from the Aztecs. I mean, it, it, and, and thinking on thinking about the evil and there is a lot of it, especially in European history, Mm. it, it's like, what do you do? You know, what, what Mm. story do you, how do you engage with those, those stories, you know? Mm. Yeah. You know, like what is the better story when you think about Vietnam or the Iraq war or. You know, it just it just is a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thought that I can even remotely latch on in this case, and it's honestly not even that good of a thought to to believe in, but um, you know, reading Alex Gray, the the visionary painter, he's talking about like the the theory of civilizations is that they give birth to better religions. You know, as soon as a as a civilization's spirituality leaves its core enough, it's people will dissolve you know like in a way you can kind of see that with uh with britain right like yeah it had a huge industrious society with clean hierarchy and then uh, just abject oppression and greed and the magna carta is signed and it kind of topples around um and now like we're in a we're in a place of global community right with globalization and that you know, we can reach far and wide and that's caused alienation detachment. But it's also like offered a world where potentially can't like you you can flirt with the idea that can there be a global movement of spirituality given our forms of connections? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's my only thought that I can rem- like cl- even remotely latch onto thinking about what do we do now? Right. Do we do we fund more NGOs? Do we you know, organize more fundraisers, bake some cookies, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Paint peace signs right. in the town hall. Right. You know, stand with fists, our fists up and stuff. Like may- maybe yes, you know, maybe yes to keep this great engine of change moving. Knowing that like the bigger vision is that we are moving. Like, like think about like the growing percentage of people who are understanding what it means to like hurt someone else. Mm. right i feel like that has to be a growing number of people yeah there's actually like people who say that that's one of the qualities of postmodernism. it's like we just have empathy for other people like on these screens these little data tablets we carry around we are seeing people just live normal lives on completely different parts of the globe you know? right right so I, I i feel like there has to be a vision where where we are moving towards something meaningful 
right? And on the way, we're going to suffer like fuck and hurt a lot and, and fail a lot protecting people we love. And so, yeah, but who knows? Maybe, maybe that kind of promise is like a thousand years down the line, right? Took Christianity 2000 years to get to a point where now we're just kind of probably not stop molesting, you know, baby (laughs) or children at the church. Yeah. Yeah. Took us 2000 years. So in our lifetimes, what is it? What is the better story? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm figuring it out. And maybe this is one of those things where you really live the question instead of seeking the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't, but, but, but I think, yeah, I think it is important to, <sighs> I mean, is it like, ah, oh, man, cause it's like, it almost seems like a contradiction with this whole like Buddhist idea of letting go and just effortless, all this stuff. And then imposing your will for change, for social change. It's like as if those things contradict, mm. you know? And it's like, do I, do I try? Do I continue to try? Mm. Like, do I exert myself and use this energy to change things? Or do I just, you know, sit back and I mean, just in awe of the world? Right. I think deep down, I think is the way of change to tell someone to be something else or is the change to express yourself and your beliefs in its fullest capacity as a teacher would so that someone may become a student and learn from you and that is where change happens because i feel like social justice and our our main forms of 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 change that we want to enact in this kind of systems of oppression is to tell what change must be done, right? Mm. Is to is to say and and to force it open. But like maybe maybe it's like Gandhi's way of like we resist by not resisting. We change by not moving. I don't know. I I really don't know. But I for some reason I I I can't help but feel disillusioned by, you know, joining a nonprofit and fighting the good <laughs> fight. From a bureaucratic yeah. standpoint, you know. Yeah, joining an institution to fight an institution. Right. Like, have we not enacted so much change in the people, in in the lives of the peoples that we met? Right? Like, how much they have changed, hopefully for the better, of the things that we share with them. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to measure something like that. But I could, could only assume so. Yeah. You know, and it's like, as you know, the fishbowl man episode... He's like all about magic, you know, mm. and it's like it's one of the goals as someone who practices magic is to just like turn someone towards this path, you know. Right. Right. And it's like I I think there is beauty in that. So, and and I think that can really only happen on an individual basis. I don't think you and I going on our Instagram stories and being like breathe today mm. will really no. yeah. <laughs> create change, you yeah, know. But it's really that. listening and getting to to know someone. Yes. And then from there it's it's exponential, you know. Yes. Yes. Damn. I that I I I can believe in that, right? Like that gives me a sign like a sense of like this this is possible. Yeah. Not from just a perspective of feasible, no, but like this I can follow with my heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
<sighs> Damn. <sighs> this is a b- fucking banger. Banger. The last two. This one and yesterday's. Damn, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, I guess we have 20 more seconds to kill before let's make it an even hour. But <laughs> yeah, three in a row an hour as well. Three in a, damn, three hours these, these of short. These ain't short. These ain't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we were like flirting around like 20 to 30 minutes for most of our episodes when we first started out. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's like our cold open bling. <laughs> that's our little oven pizza sponsorship. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Man, are you planning on going back to Merced? Um, I I went back recently and yeah, you so said you don't yeah. It was okay. I, I couldn't hang out with Julius, couldn't hang out with Jaden, mm. not friends with many other people. I, I talked to Alyssa. She says your letter's on the way, by the way. Oh, she oh she sent me a letter. Yeah. Oh, shit. Nice. Oh, okay. And she's, she read yours as well. Oh, oh, that's so sweet. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She didn't tell me the contents, though, and didn't tell me how she reacted, so I'm assuming that will be in your letter. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you, Cal. Wow. Of course, of course. Man, I th- I definitely can sleep a bit better because I was actually kind of concerned that I won't be able to sleep because this movie's been on my mind and man, it was brutal. But this has been very nice. I'm I'm gonna go listen back to some older o- older episodes too. I'll, I'll hear I'll tell you my thoughts. Good idea. Yeah, it's it's interesting to tap in, man, and just <laughs> see how much we've changed. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, this is how. David Chen and Cal Slatton felt on February 25th, 2023.